Hello everyone, I am Rishali Shaha. I am a Senior Research Associate at the Council for Strategic and Defense Research. Hello, uh, I am Lucian Blank of Peter III. I'm a Research Fellow with the Asia-Pacific Pathways to Progress Foundation and also a member of the Board of Directors of the Philippine Association for Chinese Studies. I am presently a Fellow uh, here in Taiwan. I'm a visiting scholar with the National Chengchi University uh, in Taipei uh, with the Department of Diplomacy and the Center for Foreign Policy Studies. You're listening to Indo-Pacific Voices, a podcast for regional perspectives on a wide range of topics with one mission, to explore the emergent issues facing the Indo-Pacific. Uh, today, I will be in conversation with Mr. Pitlow on ASEAN's maritime vision. So we've seen a lot of activity happen in uh, the ASEAN with regard to maritime activities, and especially for a regional organization where nine out of the 10 members um, touch the sea, ASEAN indeed is in the front lines of the world's shared challenges when it comes to the maritime domain. So... With that, I'd like to begin uh, by asking you, Mr. Pitlow, if you could provide us an overview of ASEAN's maritime vision and its significance in the region's geopolitical landscape. Say a long overview uh, document, and uh, this also dovetails with the uh, 2019 uh, ASEAN uh, uh, outlook on the Indo-Pacific. So I think broadly, uh, this signifies the importance attached by the region to its uh, maritime domain. Uh, of course, ASEAN is uh, you know, 10 countries uh, in the group. It's one of the longest running and uh, stable um, regional organizations in the world. And there's only uh, the, 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 it covers both the Indian and the Pacific Oceans, you know, the, the countries that are part of this group. Uh, only one landlocked country, Laos. All the rest have uh, huge coastlines. Uh, some insular members like the Philippines, Indonesia are among the largest archipelagos in the world. So this uh, document, the ASEAN Maritime Outlook, uh, stresses the importance of this uh, maritime domain for the region. And uh, most especially, of course, in recent years, we see you know geopolitical competition uh, between US and China, both important partners for the region. And we also see flashpoints, you know, simmering uh, from the Taiwan Strait to the South China Sea, with which you know uh, uh, countries in the region are. are at the heart of, you know, South China Sea, a very strategic waterway, and of course, uh, resource rich also, very important for the economy, uh, security of littoral states. And of course, there are four active claimants in ASEAN that are, of course, you know, uh, at odds uh, with, with uh, each other and also uh, with uh, with the dialogue partner of ASEAN. I think uh, this uh, emphasis on the importance of the uh, waters, you know, the maritime component of uh, ASEAN. And at the same time, stressing the, uh, of course, the cooperative uh, element, you know, there are issues, uh, cross-cutting, uh, multi-dimensional, uh, and uh, of course, uh, there are dialogue partners that have resources and capabilities that uh, can support, you know, ASEAN member countries uh, in their national, as well as the ASEAN regions, uh, endeavor, you know, to try to make uh, this maritime domain 
stable, uh, peaceful, and of course, to find ways to harness resources there. Thank you so much for those remarks. And indeed, you did correctly point out uh, about the shared challenges that countries in the region face. So um, along those lines, can you tell me a bit more about how does maritime security play a role in shaping ASEAN's maritime vision? And are there ongoing collaborations to ensure the safety and stability of regional waters? Well, yes, you know, uh, of course, there are recent, you know, tensions uh, in the South China Sea uh, underpin the importance of, you know, working with uh, partners to address, you know, uh, shared threats and challenges uh, from from this contested space. I think uh, the uh, timing of the release of this document suggests, you know, growing concern on the part of regional uh, countries about the uh, tensions and competition between uh, disputants, but more importantly, between rival powers that are both important for the region, uh, getting out of hand. You know, and uh, I think the the region wanted to stress its you know uh, its agency, its autonomy, the relevance of ASEAN, its centrality. Of course, the as uh, competition and rivalry between uh, major powers intensify, that room for maneuver for uh, smaller states, you know, uh, mid middle power states uh, diminishes. And so I think by coming up with these statements, uh, with this document, ASEAN is saying that. They should have a lead role uh, in, in trying to address uh, issues that in their uh, backyard. So uh, they're inclusive, they're open to working with, with partners, even with disputants, you know, and um, to, to try to address uh, the maritime security component, being open to uh, discussion, dialogue, to try to address disputes, but at the same time also understanding that there is a need to increase their capability, you know, the maritime capabilities of coastal states and this is where you know partnerships you know with with countries far and near you know uh is very relevant in terms of developing the coast guard the navy you know joint uh, training uh potential for joint skills or drills you know in the south china sea so i think all of these are part of this growing you know uh, maritime security activity between and among uh, member states of asean as well as of course its dialogue partners Indeed, you brought up two very interesting things, which was autonomy and great power competition. And we'll come to that as well. Um, on a related note, we've seen that Southeast Asia is a region where maritime disputes have been prevalent and have historic relevance as well. So how are ASEAN countries working towards peaceful resolution of these disputes and maintaining stability, especially as great power competition in this region sort of like aggregates? Well, uh, member states uh, of ASEAN, especially uh, uh, the, the claimant states, you know, the coastal states of uh, South China Sea, they have been uh, pursuing diplomacy and dialogue amongst themselves, you know, setting up hotline communications, uh, high-level official uh, dialogue mechanisms that meets uh, periodically uh, once or twice a year. And, uh, of course, this is between the, the, the claimant states and also with China, of course, the biggest uh uh, claimant uh, disputant state in the South China Sea. Uh, of course, um, there is also this uh, multilateral track, you know, the ASEAN-China Code of Conduct negotiations that has uh, been uh, making some some progress of late, you know. But uh, again, if we look at uh, the timeline, still a snail space. But uh, of course, developments are always welcome, and uh, of course, that uh, after the pandemic, there is an expectation that there will be more. 
uh, time resources that can be spent, you know, to have more of this uh, in-person intimate conversations to try to move forward with contentious issues in the discussions for the COC. Uh, let me now take the discussion more non-traditional security threats that the region faces. How would you assess environmental concerns factoring into ASEAN's maritime vision? And also, can you share a bit about what measures are being taken by ASEAN to balance economic development with sustainable maritime ecosystems? Well, yes, uh, so good point. So, uh, of course, the uh, maritime uh, domain uh, of ASEAN is very important for uh, the the member states. You know, livelihood, uh, maritime economy. You know, includes uh, fishing. Uh, of course, uh, industries that are related to fishing, and of course, maritime transport. But uh, of course, alongside with that, there will be uh, environmental issues like you know maritime maritime oil uh, pollution, marine debris, and uh, environmental degradation overfishing, you know, so all of this have to be factored. And because of um, the, the expanse of this maritime domain, the fact that there are overlapping, you know, competing claims, and uh, at the same time, of course, recognizing the, uh, you know, the broader uh, life cycle of the fishes, you know, that that uh, live and thrive in this uh, surrounding waters, right, that they know no boundaries. So it's very important to to have a holistic and integrated approach to, to managing uh, problems uh, emanating from you know from the from the maritime domain, uh, both on the uh, economy and on the environmental standpoints, and so this is where discussions are ongoing, in terms of um, trying to uh, address you know overfishing, you know the collapsing fishing stocks, you know especially on uh, waters that are closer to mainland Southeast Asia and of course southern China, and the pressure. Uh, on you know, insular member states, you know, like uh, western waters of the Philippines and you know waters of uh, of northern Nor- Borneo. So of course the uh, the general movement of uh, fishing, distant fishing, would be to go to areas where there's more fish, and this is where you know regulation will will come into play, and there will be of course you know that the uh, where the environment and the security. And of course, sovereignty, sovereign rights issues will will come into play, and this would be nasty. And uh, so, I think it, it's very important to to approach this problem in, in a broader sense, and to try to understand ways, you know, and means to uh, pursue cooperation to preserve, you know, and conserve the fishing stocks. Maybe uh, perhaps some discussion on uh, a joint or coordinated fishing ban or creation of marine parks or you know conservation areas uh, of uh, of fishing seasons so I, I i think there are uh, mechanisms that uh, uh, are in place you know where these uh, issues can be uh, discussed uh, so you spoke about fishing uh, if you can take it a bit further and talk about maritime industries we've seen that technology and innovation is rapidly transforming maritime industries how would you assess the ASEAN embracing these advancements to drive economic growth and enhance its maritime capabilities? Yes, yes, certainly. So maritime transport and, of course, recent uh, discussions about offshore mining, you know, uh, of course, harnessing offshore energy. These are, uh, you know, part of this broader blue economy that, uh, of course, uh, recently is gaining traction. 
the discussion and um, you know the the technology is catching up you know to enable coastal states to harness resources you know within their exclusive economic zone and their continental shelf but uh, where there are disputes you know and where where science and technology's impact on the environment is not yet so so clear cut um uh, i i think this is where serious uh, negotiations discussions you know need to take place you know within the region but also with uh, external partners because uh, external partners may be able to bring in the necessary capital technology and expertise you know for uh, deep water drilling or or mining but the studies have to be uh, you know conducted to make sure that uh, the risks and the adverse impact on the environment you know especially for fishing uh, for maritime transport to prevent pollution uh, from these operations would be uh, mitigated. So, um, Mr. Pitlow, you've noticed that a lot of the ASEAN documents have been talking about connectivity, including the recently released ASEAN Maritime Outlook as well. So, connectivity is clearly emerging as a key theme in ASEAN's vision. How would you assess uh, current maritime transport and infrastructure projects are enhancing regional connectivity in Southeast Asia, both physically and digitally, and what has ASEAN's role been in this? So maritime connectivity is, is part of you know ASEAN's broader master plan for uh, uh, regional connectivity, and uh, this is very uh, prominent, especially on the insular uh, region. You know the countries like uh, Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines, and Brunei. You know uh, they are you know there's this subgrouping called uh, Brunei, Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines, East Asia Growth Area, or VINP, Yaga, in short. And this sub-regional grouping has been there since the 90s. Um, of course, your maritime transport, promoting inter-island connectivity, trade, and uh, people-to-people interaction uh, is, are among the important uh, goals you know, of, of this sub-regional grouping. Ferry connectivity or ASEAN RORO connectivity, roll-on, roll-off ferries you know, to, to bring in goods you know, from uh, southern Mindanao to Sulawesi in Indonesia. So some all, some lines have already opened up, like the Davao, General Santos in southern Mindanao, connecting with Bitung in uh, northern Sulawesi. So th- this line is already operational. Uh, the last of uh, in 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 recent years, there is a lot of potential for other routes to to be checked, you know, for viability as well as the existing infrastructure. I think the cooperation with partners are very important to try to fund, you know, the uh, coastal infrastructure buildup, you know, creating necessary ports and, of course, the infrastructure, you know, to, to run them. Uh, customs, immigration, quarantine services are very important. And, of course, at the same time, securing, you know, uh, these areas, you know. And some of these areas have uh, experienced in the past piracy, uh, armed robbery. And so uh, working with the uh, member states, like uh, Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines, in the adjoining Sulu, Sulawesi Seas, they have trilateral air and naval patrols. In the Malacca Strait, of course, uh, Indonesia, Malaysia, and Singapore. So these kinds of cooperations are are helping stabilize these areas. Um, I'm not in my last few questions, and uh, my next uh, question will be a bit more futuristic. Um, and I want to know your views on um, how, as global trends are evolving, ASEAN's maritime vision might need to adapt to remain relevant and effective. What strategies would you say could ASEAN employ to stay ahead of emerging challenges? Recently, there are uh, 
growing, you know, bilateral, trilateral, mean lateral uh, groupings or, or clusters of countries. Perhaps, you know, maybe there's some recognition about the, the slow uh, or difficulty for ASEAN to reach consensus on some divisive or very polarizing issues. You know, some member states are not as comfortable as others on, on, on certain issues. And so, you know, this formula about ASEAN minus X, Y, Z, you know, and uh, minilaterals are providing some kind of uh, uh, opportunity, but also some challenge, you know, for ASEAN centrality, ASEAN cohesion going forward. So I think some ASEAN countries are looking at, you know, th this kinds of, uh, this constellation of minilaterals as an opportunity uh, to, to nudge other members, you know, uh, other fellow members, you know, to, to look into security more. Uh, maybe uh, go out of their comfort zone, you know, some of their self-imposed uh, inhibitions, you know. Uh, so I, I think th there is the value in that, you know, especially um, capacitating, you know, their, 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 their maritime uh, abilities and, uh, of course, signaling also, you know, to, to, to other disputants, you know, the importance of maintaining um, rules of the road on the sea, you know, and... Uh, peaceful uh, resolution of disputes and uh, of course uh, signaling also the that they are open and they are ready to to work with partners uh, external partners i think this is where uh, some external partners you know uh, you know us uh, india australia japan uh, you know their willingness to provide diplomatic support uh, as well as you know uh, through uh, joint uh, exercises, uh, arms uh, buildup, you know, transfers, sales, and uh, of course discussions, you know. Uh, but at the same time, uh, still, you know, uh, keeping lines open uh, with with, uh, with with the disputants, and uh, of course, you know, working with partners also to bring in the dialogue, you know, uh, and be able to provide platforms for for discussing uh you know difficult issues you know so i i think the the, the more opportunities for for asean member states to to leverage you know the the you know their membership in asean as well as their partnerships you know whether through trilateral bilateral or bilateral clusters you know i think this will still help them uh enhance their capability uh, military-wise or Coast Guard-wise, and at the same time enhance their, you know, bargaining diplomatic position in the negotiating table. Thank you so much. That does indeed seem like a very constructive note to end this podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today and we look forward to your continued participation in the Indo-Pacific Circle and the Indo-Pacific Voices podcast. conversation on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. To stay updated, visit our website ipcircle.org and follow us on Twitter at ip underscore circle. The opinions expressed in this podcast belong to the speakers and do not represent the organizational views held by either the Council for Strategic